Excerpt from the Journal of Reinhardt Ruger. Today should be a day of triumph, but I fear this day might be my last. The project I have dedicated my life to has finally come to fruition. My creation, my glorious, beautiful, wonderful creation, it lives. I have done what only the gods allow to transpire. Not with magic or prayer, but with science. Those twisted, up-jumped lizards claim to be scientists, but they are children playing with toys they barely understand. It takes more than lighting volatile minerals and filling up bladders with swamp gas to claim that title. Once I have completed my final tests, I will take my notes and leave this horrid place forever. My family's legacy will be restored, and no more will we be known as middlemen to monsters. All the gold in the world is nothing compared to the gift I give the world of men. My siblings are so short-sighted. They were not blessed with my genius. They will never accept the fact that I am truly the most gifted mind of my generation. Jealousy. Pure, unadulterated jealousy. I pity them. I truly do. My brother and sister believe that I am insane with grief. The loss of my son has been trying, but I turned my grief into action, and from that action is born the future. I have unlocked the key to life itself, and I will not spend my remaining years languishing in a swamp doing the bidding of subhuman creatures. As the head of this family, it is my right to steer a collective destiny towards brighter shores. It may take some time for them to adjust to civilization, but they will see in times the merit to my plans. Once my work is revealed to the masses, we will be accepted back into society, and they will be able to retire in comfort. Until I am ready to leave, I must keep my project secret. I do love my siblings, but alas, I do not trust them. I truly hope that I am being paranoid, but I fear they might do something regretful if they learn of my plans too soon. When I am prepared... I will burn this horrid place to the ground, and the name of Ruger will no longer be synonymous with death and destruction. This will be the end of the Boom's End Inn. Willkommen, bienvenue. Welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is episode 51. We got our intrepid band with us today. How are you guys doing? Good. good. Great. We're doing great. Uh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're on the other side of 50 now, and the view from here is pretty good, I think. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last time uh, we met, you guys got up to a little bit of fun in the breadbasket. I was happy to get another uh, area of this world in briefly to be seen. What do you all think of your uh, your experiences there so far? Uh, it's a lovely pastoral place and um, looking forward to a swamp. <laughs> I think it was a nice little reprieve from swamps. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was less death, which is, you know, kind of nice. You know, maybe doesn't, you know you know, fill the downloads with the people seeking their blood and thunder adventures. But I feel like Audrey and I have a future career of being gentleman thieves in the future. I mean, if Zika and Kiernan want to go that route, I think that might be our, uh, might, you know, let's leave this knighthood stuff behind. And uh, <laughs> we'll go full on Oceans 4. Yeah. 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 No, no, Oceans, Rumble. Oceans 5. Oceans 5. five. <laughs> I mean, he's useless, but still... <laughs> Seth Green was in that way. It's fine. <laughs> sorry, Seth Green. I'm sorry I called you useless. I didn't mean it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. You know how many yeah. Seth Green fans we just lost? <laughs> I know. We I can't know. afford to lose anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Guy was so... more successful than me. What a jerk. I know. I know. <laughs> Screw him. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway. So, yeah, last we left you, uh, you visited Sir Nolan's old friend, Arf Split Barrel, uh, who was being kicked out of a bar called Tacky Elk. You were able to sober him up somewhat, uh, ask him some questions about your approach to Amthodkis, uh going through the Boon's End Inn, 
where you learn that you need to show not only uh, a specific kind of face to these folk to get their trust, uh, you also need to show them a a good amount of coin, uh, which is something that you did not have until Arf told you that if you could rescue his nest egg from his ex-girlfriend's house, you could borrow it to show to these people so they will let you in. Amthakis, you found out that the uh, Booms and Inn has been run for many years by the Ruger family, a rather unpleasant group of folk who are suspicious of do-gooders and anyone who doesn't appear to be the kind of person who would like to hire mercenaries and or explosives, bottled oozes and other horrible horrible weapons of mass destruction that these little frog monsters make. So you were able to extricate a small bag of holding with a little over a thousand coins in it from said ex-girlfriend's house. And you now, you know, have what you believe you need to make the trek to the booms and in. So as we pick back up with you folks, you are basically in the streets of the village of Harvest Home. And last you saw Arf, he was desperately trying to make up with his ex-girlfriend and shouting and screaming outside of her basket weaving shop slash home. So there we are. And when we got no baskets and um, also I'm now thinking that I bet that Seth Green was not in any of the Oceans movies. <laughs> Sorry, Seth. I, I don't know. Why. Sorry, person. I confused with Seth Green, apparently. But anyway, that would probably be either Casey Affleck or Scott oh, Conlon. Yeah. One of the goddamn athletes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to yes. everyone. I apologize for everything. I'm That's so okay. Sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry about unwet. I'm sorry about the horses discussion. I'm just, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just very the horses emotional. discussion today. is great. <laughs> awesome. I forgot about unwet. Yeah. Unwet is what I, I, I wake up at night thinking about that. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, maybe, uh, maybe if Seth Green had been in the Oceans movies, they wouldn't have been such horrible flops. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're all just a series, a series of mega million dollar flops. Which just kept making. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, no. Uh, well, basketless, we will uh, proceed down the road. Yeah. Um, unless okay, anybody so, else has any other halfling business to attend to, but I, I'm thinking exit stage left. Yep. All right. And that so, was my Snagglepuss impression, which yeah, is also going to be a reference that two people get. <laughs> I was one of them. Hmm? Remember wacky races? Yeah. Come on, love wacky races. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good old wacky races. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Great cartoon and even better board game. All righty. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I never actually played. Hey, and we're open to sponsorship from Hanna Barbera anytime. <laughs> yeah, from Hanna Barbera in the late 70s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mid, man, this could be big. Guys. Mid 70s, actually. I don't know why it's yeah. like the late 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of orient yourselves in the direction uh, you need to be going. And there are these checkpoints coming in and out of town where you see uh, usually like two or three wood elf ranger guard looking guys occasionally stop people most of the time just look halflings come in and out without any real issue they're just um there's kind of there should any another invading force come in but they really have worn out their welcome at this point now you have the money Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have time on the road as well, but do you guys have a plan as to how you're going to to appear as less reputable folk? I have a bit of a plan. Um, I, have, I have the makings of a plan. Is it as reliable as your last contact? Yes, absolutely. It is at least that reliable uh, of a plan. Uh, and it's as well thought out as any of my plans. So we go in the cover Our legend, as it were, is we are a party that is going to be hired to break into this, uh, I'm thinking an old dwarven thing, but uh, Audrin, you can tell me if this does not work, where there's supposedly some old treasure. And so we have the dwarf, because obviously the dwarf knows the dwarf stuff. The lock can't be picked, so we're going to have to blow it. And so we need somebody who can do that. And there's a reason we don't want to use magic or something like that. It's awarded or whatever. But like we had a non-magical explosion, we could get into the thing. So we want to hire a crew of boomsticky guys. That's what I'm thinking. So it's a small group that we need to go in that need to blow up some stuff on this thing we're doing. That's the plan of how we're going in. How we're going to look, how we're going to look kind of uh, ramshackle. I think 
Zika looks like an adventurer, right? So that, that's fine. I mean, Morple's a fungus person. He's here because he knows stuff. Kiernan looks like a relatively... You could swing to ne'er-do-well to... You know, but I don't get Kieran in the sense is Kieran super clean cut and look at me, I'm super heroic y guy. Really, my armor is not very nice. So all I have to do is pull the tabard off of it so I don't look like a knight anymore. And I can play on that also. So it's just Audrin that we have to kind of scuzz up. I mean, I can look like anything too. So if we have a better idea. I guess the idea is we just don't want to look like what we are. Uh, we don't want to look like people who are in here doing good. Impression I got, and it's ARF, so unreliable narrator and everything, was that pretty people good, scummy people bad, they want bad, so we should look scummy. So nobody's washing anything for the rest of this trip, just until we get out (laughs) of the swamp. I could Um, pretend to be Umer. (laughs) (laughs) We think that will help. An arrogant, obnoxious jerk thing. The only thing is I'm assuming that, like, Razor has, like, you know, his armor's very clean, so if there's stuff we can do to make it, like, you know, look a little dirty, that will quickly polish off, and Morpo will polish it off, don't worry. And then, like, he's probably got a cape or something that makes him look a little bit more grand in his role as a cleric, and there are visible holy symbols on stuff. We might want to, like, you know, pretend you're a dwarf fighter in D&D terms as opposed to a dwarven cleric. That's probably just the look we're going for, but I don't think it's going to be, like, a full interview. Like, we we want to look like a hard-bitten crew that would be hired to do some kind of sketchy stuff. Yeah, um, so, actually, the cloak doesn't look that fancy. Uh, he can turn it over to the side that looks like it's made out of, like, cavefish scale. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. that'll look fine. And as, as far All as... All cloaks look fancy to me, so you're good. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know much, how much Morpo would need to polish his, you know, I've got mending that... Yeah. You know, I guess that's just yeah. clean... Well, I mean, I just felt, figured like we're, we're if we if we dirty up your armor a little bit, that's got to be somehow insulting to your ancestors or whoever made the armor. I mean, we just have to do whatever we need to do to make that cool yeah. after the fact. That's why I'm thinking I'm an arrogant kind of corrupt dwarf as opposed to a dirty dwarf. Okay. You know, I, I'm right. not going to yeah. be able to pull it off well. I'll be arrogant and I won't say okay. a lot. Yeah. And then just if we just hide the obvious uh, religious symbols, I think that'll probably No, I don't do think it. that's a problem. Yeah, we're getting oh, okay. just people that goes down just fine. Okay, <laughs> all right, cool. You know dwarves and how people react to dwarves, so I'm trusting Look, you. Buddy. I think I think with my just being arrogant and you being you, we can pull this off. Okay, all right. We're a crew of hard bitten, hard luck professionals that have been hired to do a very dangerous extraction in some forgotten ruin somewhere, and we need boomers to to help us. We need like a lot okay. of. Them. And ostensibly, yeah. I might be your leader because yeah. I don't look quite as poor. So, But I'm not going to do a lot of the talking just because yeah. it's beneath me. Yeah, that, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. And you're traveling with your mounts, right? Or did we leave no, them? I thought we left those. Yeah, I think I thought we did. Did we leave those? Red basket. Okay, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Stop well, everything. We need to talk about the horses. <laughs> ding, ding. All right, here we well, go. Presumably, presumably, you're going to, yeah, I mean, you're going to be headed down the main road, the Southern Pass, and that from what Arf was telling you, will fork off at the Ragged Men to a uh, our old, uh, he referred to as a Forlorn Road, which is a little rougher, but, you know, still a road. And then obviously you get to the inn, which is an inn, you know, which presumably you could leave your horses at, but then obviously you'd have to get them back. So if you want to leave them in Breadbasket, you, you can certainly do that. Do we want to leave them with Arf as like collateral against we absolutely do not want to leave them with ours those horses would be sold or eaten or both so yeah Um, we don't want that there's a point on the map where three roads actually go ahead and share the map with you guys show you what i'm talking about so looking at where you are and breadbasket is to the north and then southeast of that is talia the elven lands and Mortel, which is where Kiernan is from. And then on the opposite side of that is uh, Emthakis, which is basically due southwest. There are the main road out of Breadbasket, forks into three different roads. There's the Southern Pass and a road that goes around the Elven Lands and up into Malshar. And then there's a road that goes from Breadbasket to the Forge. The Southern Pass goes on the opposite side of the Ragged Men and this forlorn road, which is not actually on the map, but I'll put it on there right now. 
leads to Boone's End. And where the roads fork, basically, there is a uh, pretty decent-sized town, which is largely human settlement, from what you would know, Nolan. It being at the fork of these roads is pretty much its bread and butter. It's a place that you're reasonably sure you could leave your horses that you wouldn't have to worry that you could get back to. So that um, sounds perfect. The town I have now, here's the thing, architects. I have not named this town. So what's the name of this town? I don't know what the name of the town is. Oh, no, never mind. Yeah, no, never mind. I was going to say something else, but I think we've already done that. Um, I don't know what the name of the town is. Are there any um, precedents we've established? Let's see. Not really. This is just a town. It's on the fork of three major roads. It's, shrimp Fork. Uh, I'm sorry? I said Shrimp Fork. Shrimp Fork. I'm not okay. being helpful. Huh. Um, I did go to Facebook to get the name of the mountains. The Ragged Men is from Jillian, so I uh, will give her Mostly that credit. Jillian. How about Six Corners for the three roads? Six I Corners? Sure. All right, there we go. Six Corners is the name of the town. That's all I actually know, because if there were three roads meeting, would there actually be Six Corners? There'd be one, two. No, actually, well, there is, yeah. There are you know what? one, I think it's two, better. three, four. Well, I think it's better that we have it misnomered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I like that. Actually, the town is called Six Corners. Yeah. Um, well, when presumably it first the point... town, the roads were all screwed up, and so there were six corners, and then they <laughs> smoothed them. Then the church burned down, and they smoothed out the roads, and they're like, all right, well, now it's not. Should we change the name? It's like, yeah, who cares? It's all, all our stationery is printed. Just... Yeah, yeah, it's already on the sign. We have to make a whole new sign. <laughs> yeah, we don't have <laughs> The sign guy died in the church fire. We don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, and that's his, um, that is basically a midpoint. So with your horses, you could get to six corners in like a day. And then if you go directly from there, you get to Boom's End within a couple of days on foot. So that'll make this whole trip take no more than three days. All right. I like it. How's that for some overland travel uh we're simplifying this stuff now. Uh, I mean, it's okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind a little more horse discussion and packaging, and uh, you know how our speed is. But what are you going to do? It's not for everybody. Well, so let's, when uh... we get to the stables, we will mm-hmm. discuss. We'll play this out in detail of us discussing with the grooms how to handle our horses. How about yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. But we'll we'll cut it out of the main episode and just give it as a as a special for for our Patreon supporters. So all right, good, good. There we go. <laughs> Some bonus content. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, they're always asking for more bonus content. Oh, anyway. One of these states are going to call us on that, and we're going to have yeah. to do it. You know that, right? Oh, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to do a whole horse episode. I think our I promised pa- at our, one point. Our you- Patreon subscribers are very, very long-suffering people who are just in it to give us money. Okay. Well, that's that's sweet of them. That's, you know. So, um, God, so God, you know, whatever God you believe in, bless them. Right. Um, or knows a couple of them are probably going to be in the show. Uh, I've already so, been on the show, actually. Yeah. So threatening them with terrible horse uh, podcasts is not something we should keep doing. I'm just saying, season two could be the horse lords of Horseland. Okay. <laughs> they could be. How about, how about this? They're horsemen. They're like <laughs> men, men with the head of a horse that ride around on sense horse. <laughs> All right, I love this. I see it working. This has to be something that someone has done in the. Yeah. But the thing is, is that we're going to do it Star Wars holiday special style, where the horse people can only whinny and and snort <laughs> and stuff. They can't actually make human sounds. So it's going to be real. It's going to be a real hard listen. It's hardcore. It's going to be hard only for the hardcore. What fans. are you saying? The first ten minutes of the of the Star Wars <laughs> holiday special is just Wookies <laughs> grunting at each other. Pretty much. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, go on YouTube or wherever. It's there. If you haven't watched the Star Wars uh, holiday special, there are people online who are trying to reclaim it as good. It's not. Never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever assume it is. It's it's dreadful. But it's dreadful in the best 70s variety show way. Oh, God. Anyway. It's got to be good. It was Star Wars. <laughs> well, I remember. Look, I remember watching it when I was, you know, uh, six and I was very confused. <laughs> anyway, God, we are we are so far off the point. Anyway, so yeah, I can so be six, six, six corners it. is the name of that town. We named a town. I don't want to hear about it. we're off the point. Well, a town was <laughs> named. Stabling of the horses has been decided. We are kicking ass this episode. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at the map and um 
a lot of major places we have seen at one point or another. Mm. Like there was a scene in the archipelago. <laughs> you know, we have seen the Blasted Lands and we have seen Orklands. We've been in the Asimar place that I don't even know if it has an actual name. We just call it where the Asimar live and Breadbasket now. And now, yeah. So, I mean, there, there are less and less mysteries to this world is all I'm saying. So, yeah, since you have your plan, is your plan to reconnect with Arf before you leave or are you just going to leave? <laughs> Uh, no, I think we're just going to leave and we'll catch up to him, you know, after if we're not dead. Yeah. I think because he knows the deal. He blew the yeah. thing. All he had to do was stay away. So he's now not part of the gig anymore. I'll give him his money right. back if we survive and still have it. But, right. you know, we're not, you know, he, he, he almost blew that for us. I mean, he almost helped us, too, because he showed up and caused distraction where we could leave. But that's not what I'm going to tell him. <laughs> he blew that. He almost blew that for us. Yeah. Yeah, it was all you guys are just leaving. Actually, what he did was he kept it so you guys didn't have to buy any baskets. So he actually yeah, helped much. you more than hindered you. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. But that's not what we're going to say him. That's not what he's supposed to do. Uh, you know, I was thinking if that didn't happen, that'd be funny to see how you extricate yourself from having to buy like 100 baskets. <laughs> <laughs> it would, you would have been leaving an order where there, she would have asked for a deposit anyway. Yeah. So if you guys are heading out now, it's like, early afternoon by the time all this nonsense is over so i mean if you left now you'd be getting to six corners in the middle of the night mm -hmm. if you make good time you know in the middle of the night if you get held up for any reason weather or whatever if you get there probably early the next morning if you press right on and ride through the night that's the idea so right. uh, if you guys want to hang around a bread gasket and, and leave like uh, later on, or you I think it's best to get the hell out of here uh, while the getting is good, unless anybody has any objections. And I don't care if we get to six corners late because we can just crash at the end. I'm assuming that place is kind of used to travelers showing up at random hours because something got delayed. So, you know, I think that's what we do. And, and then a hard, grimy ride in the middle of the night will be good for our cover because we'll get grimy and gross. Nobody takes a bath at the inn, okay? You're all going to go right there and get cleaned up, though. All right. <laughs> Good guys are clean. None of that. So, yeah, I think we just do that. Then we can stay at the inn and then head out at first light. A good time to get the rest of the way. If anybody okay. has a better plan, go for it. Otherwise, I think that works. Sounds good. Works for me. Okay. So, yeah, you guys head out down the Southern Pass and around dusk, you are going to be hitting the edge of the breadbasket. And on the side of the road, do you see one of those elven pickets? There's like a guard tower kind of looking over the road. It's not, it's like maybe like a story up just so they can kind of look over. There's a wood elf archer just standing on top there looking. And then there's a couple of other elves that are, you know, just standing on the side of the street, just kind of watching people go. And as you approach, the two guards will kind of get in your way. They're not like, you know, I don't have weapons out and they're stopping you, but they're like, it's kind of that, um, you should probably, uh, hey, pull let, let them talk to you for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hail friend. So, well met. Good day. And there's, uh, two very serious looking wood elves. Elves always look serious for the most part. They are dressed in studded leather armor. They're carrying long bows and short swords. You had business in the breadbasket? Uh, yes. It did not go well, but uh, we were foolishly recommended a basket maker in Breadbasket, and uh, it's not going to work. So we're mm. uh, on to our next stop. I see. And where are you, uh, where are you headed? Uh, six corners and then this horrible backwater called Threyhold. My cousin's getting married to some thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me a quick deception, Scott. <laughs> 27. Okay. I figured it's like if you somehow blow it, which you probably won't. Yeah, they, you know, when you mentioned Threehold and they just kind of, their eyes kind of gloss over and they're like, oh, yeah, business in the wild. Threehold is, uh, Threehold is one of the more established petty kingdoms down there, but it's still like if you've been to Malshar or the Forge, wherever it's just like, it's, it's kind of podunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My condolences. Have a good journey. Thank you. And uh, if you require any baskets, don't buy them from the crazy lady. <laughs> uh, no, we are we are good with baskets. Uh -huh. And as you make your way that way, everyone is, you know, 
it's kind of looking over you very briefly, just like, okay, there's a, you know, Isaga. It's like, Michael, sure, why not? <laughs> and then Kiernan, I'm assuming you're probably in the back of the group. Yeah, most likely. And as you and Rain just kind of approach through the guards at first, you know, they just kind of glance and look at you like everyone else and then um, give me a perception roll. Okay. Uh, that was a 12. Okay. Yeah, you're in the back of the party with Rain. And as you head through the uh, little picket, you get just about a foot past the elves, and one of them just goes, Excuse me, sir? Yes? Can I get your name, please? Why do you need my name? Keith, just tell him your name. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, what did you say? Are you asking Scott what he said? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I, I, I lost it. Okay. okay. I said, Keith, just tell him your name. Okay. <laughs> I, I will say that. <laughs> okay, Keith. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, give me a charisma deception, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is pretty good. 18. Okay. As you're looking at them, one of the wood elves, the one who stopped you, is just like scrutinizing you. The other one is at this point kind of looking at the other elf, just going like, what? What? <laughs> like, why? You know, kind of quizzically looking at the elf, like, why did you stop him? And he goes, uh, be careful on the road, Keith. Hmm. It's, uh, it's dangerous. What kind of dangers? Uh, bandits. Hmm. Monsters. Oh, all really? manner of horrors. Things that might not be what they seem? Yes. Things that are not what they seem. Hmm. Terry as far west as you can, Keith. I shall. Thanks. And as you look back for a second, it looked like his eyes changed? Yep. Hmm. It may just be a weird elf thing, but you're pretty sure that's that yeah. could very well be a changeling you just talked to. Yeah, I figured. And they're telling you to go away from Mortel. So, weird. The eye flashing happened when the other elf was looking away, very strategically. And then as you pass, the other elf is just like, what was up with that? Looked shifty. It's like, they all look shifty. They're mostly humans. <laughs> and you pass the picket and you are uh, moving into the night along the southern pass. Not a lot of traffic on the road at night. Occasionally... You might, you know, pass a cart like camped off the side of the road as it gets into night. Merchants, travelers, or that sort of normal folk. As you pass by, they'll, you know, just give you a nod and you look as if you're not stopping. The the usual, you know, kind of tradition of, of the road is a lot of times people who are traveling at night and have to stop off will camp near each other just to, to keep an eye on each other. But as you're passing through, they just kind of give you that nod, like you're welcome here if you'd like to stay, but. We understand you're moving through the night. It's a thing that happens on roads. Nolan, you know this very, very well. You guys haven't been on regular roads in a while. Like since before the first session, <laughs> it's been very little actual like road traveling. So you get to six corners. You know, it's a very easy travel this way. I'm going to make it roll anything. You will get to six corners at like two in the morning. You will be able to board your horses and stay at an inn for as many hours as as you want to get some rest and then head out when you're comfortable. What I'll tell you is that basically, if you spend any time in the tavern area of the inn, you will hear people talking about how traveling south is getting more dangerous. With the war going on down there, you will hear that people have seen orcs heading in small groups north towards Amthodkis. You will hear that the elves have been keeping folks out of parts of Taliafir, directing people to the more northerly parts of it, and that the High Elves have sequestered themselves. Like, nobody sees them anymore. Like, they've all, like, gone home to Tidal Ray, and there's something going on. But they're Elves, so who knows? They're very secretive. And Nolan, you will hear that the Order of the Broken Lance, their presence in Threehold is more of, like, a permanent thing. Like the order is like setting up actual like lodge there and that they are continuing to roust bandits all throughout the area. Some people are like, ah, good. It's good to see, you know, uh, the road knights returning uh, to glory. And some of them are like, yeah, really? They just replaced one set of bandits for another. You hear that Lord Roval is been kind of leaning on them a lot more and that there are people that are saying that it's kind of like, oh, well, he hired them, mm. but he's now gone from being their boss to being beholden to them. 
Yeah, he made a big giant mistake asking those guys to come down there and clear out his forests because now they're kind of walking around like they own the place. When you hear the rumors from the sort of people that you would trust the word of as a uh, knight. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I'll be quietly like keeping the tabard. Like I'll keep going to put it back on and go, no, no, let's just keep that in the bag. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking just as many people who might uh, see you and feel safe. There's just as many people who see you and move on to the other side of the road, lest they find some reason to take money from you. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, things are great in Iamora. Yeah. All throughout Iamora, everything's fine. Um, you know one thing, you didn't get out of there the way you would have liked to, but it was probably a good time to get out of there. Yeah. So anybody have anything that they would like to do uh, while they're in this town before they get up back on the road? Yeah, I'd like to take a bath. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I think Sir Nolan's no. going to have a problem with that. Sorry, fresh out. Yeah, but I'm supposed to. His cover, his legend is that he, uh, he can have a bath. So <laughs> I'm not sure that you know, it's actually going to work, but he's crafted his legend to a way where he does not have to, like, be gross. So he's clever. Very, very good. All right. Excellent. Grid trade craft. Mm-hmm. We're nothing <laughs> right. if not professional. <laughs> so you're heading out somewhere close to first light so you can get a decent amount of sleep and mm-hmm. and get out. Yeah. So the second part of your journey, of course, will take place on foot and about maybe two, three miles outside of Six Corners, you almost miss it because where this quote-unquote road forks off of the Southern Pass is not noted by any sign. You just at one point come upon a very, very old, somewhat overgrown remnant of road. It's really like a glorified path. And uh, Tiernan, give me a... uh, Give me a nature roll. Okay. Whatever kind of ranger lore-ish kind of thing you'd roll. I know. <laughs> well, I, I'm better at survival. <laughs> okay. If you get a favorite terrain thing, you can certainly use it. So. I do indeed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that'll be, let's see, uh, 27. Okay. So pretty much everyone else, except probably Zika, misses it. Nolan, you didn't even really know about the road. Mm. You never really had any reason to know about the road. You know, Threehold and areas off in the wild and that that whole land are basically like, why go anywhere near that horrible place? <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have any reason to go to Mthodkis. So you would never have any reason to look. But Kiernan, you definitely noticed it right away. This must be the forlorn path. And you will see as you begin to make your way down there, signs of past travelers. People have taken horses and carts down through here. Barely, I mean, not super recently, like you probably think, you know, the the tracks are overgrown by maybe a month or so. Okay. Uh, so, you know, whoever's come down this road in any kind of numbers, uh, it's been a little while. Certainly a small group like yourself on foot would be easier to kind of cover their tracks. And it's overgrown enough that you probably might not notice, you know, a few boot prints here and there. But the signs of any like kind of really organized large travel down this path has been a ways back. So, but about the points you guys reach the edge of the Ragged Men you have kind of gone a full day and are, uh, by your estimation, about halfway there. So you can push through or, you know, we can rest and then resume. You're able to find an area that looks relatively safe. You can't really see Enthodkis from where you are, but you can definitely tell there's kind of a change in the skies as you reach this point where the clouds are starting to get a lot darker I mean, even though, you know, you should be moving into a warmer area, it's kind of chillier, kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. So, you know, you can press on or camp for the night and then move on. Either way, it's going to, you know, probably be the better part of another day till you reach there. Anyone have a preference? I figure we should camp um, and get a little bit of rest to be as alert as possible when we arrive. That would uh, seem to be the wise thing to do. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, you guys are able to pull off and find an area to camp. And those of you who want can make survival rolls just to kind of set everything. Yeah, I have a 15 on survival, which is a shockingly good roll for me in survival. <laughs> um, but I think I will be mostly like taken up with explaining to Morple every time we camp. Like, you know, if we stay in an inn, here's who to let in. If they sound sinister, just leave them out there. If they and say sometimes- heroes ironically, don't let them in. <laughs> 
for most of the advice you're giving him, he's usually just kind of thinking. occasionally, sometimes you feel like you may be over explaining something to him and is, yeah. and he just kind of gives you that. I'm technically smarter than you look, Yeah, but he certainly doesn't have the, uh, you know, he doesn't have the street smarts kind of stuff. The woodcraft and stuff like that, he's pretty good at, you know, yeah. he can certainly help. Yeah. So uh, what did everyone else get for survival? Sorry. I rolled 40 and got a 12. Okay. I got 16. Okay. I don't know if it matters, but I got a 13. Okay. Nothing atrocious. So between everyone, you're able to find a decent spot and stay out of trouble for the night. There's no other travelers on this path. I mean, you'll hear the you know, normal kind of wilderness sounds you would hear in this part of the world, but like, you know, there's not, you don't see like deer roaming across your path, you know, or any kind of like game animal stuff. Like it looks like you probably have to go into the thick to kind of find anything if you needed to forage or hunt. But other than that, you know, it's, it's fairly quiet. So the next morning, as you are getting ready to break camp and go, the sky opens up. And you are dealing with on and off rainstorms as you're moving down this path. And throughout the day, as you're approaching the outskirts of Anthodkis, it just gets darker and darker. You start to see the edge of it. There are these thick, you know, huge overhanging trees. Definitely it's thicker than the swampier areas of the cauldron and stuff like that. And the air is chilly. You are wet. It's uncomfortable. It's a slog getting through this last part of the journey. But eventually, as the rain starts to kind of let up, approaching where you assume the end of your journey is, as it is moving into night, and everyone can give me perception rolls. Well, that's a solid 11 right there, my friend. Okay. I also got an 11. Okay. 19. Boo. It's supposed to be 11. I tried. 20, 24. 24? You guys are okay. just not thinking yeah. team here. We're not. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Morple got a 13. Oh, okay. Well, that's bad for Morple. Yeah. All right. So Zika and Razor, you will notice first as you're making your way, like the rain is letting up, but there is low rolling thunder. That is, you know, it's been on and off, you know, thundering on and off through the, through the journey, but um, as uh, as you're you're kind of cresting this one area, the lightning will light up the sky, and you two will notice the shape of a building about a hundred yards or so away from where you are. And it's almost like as you're turning your head one way, the lightning lights up the sky, and you just see the shape of this building. You're like, ah, okay, I think that's probably it. And you move in as you get closer to it. Then you start to notice you can see faint lights in the distance. And then finally, as you move in, the woods here are thick. These like, there's these like these giant like oak trees. And so these like willows and even the grass here is kind of like sickly looking. It's very wet and muddy around. And eventually you see through the woods, a large building. And actually I'll show you what the building looks like. You will see a three-story building, the tile roof with a huge chimney through the middle of the back of the building. The building itself, it looks pretty old. It's definitely seen better days. It's certainly not like, you know, falling apart or ramshackling, but there's like roof tiles missing and some of the you know, windows up on the higher level. There's like you see a couple of windows that are look to be a little bit broken. The chimney is crumbling a little bit, but it's still intact. And this kind of muddy path leads up to it. And then as the building comes more in view, you will see a big sign in like old English kind of looking stylized letters, booms end in. And the sign looks very old as worn as well. You will notice as you get closer, tables to the left as you're looking at it from the road. And there's a well in the back. There's a little barn. And more perceptive of you might notice even back behind these overgrown trees there's a mixture of like dead trees and huge old overgrown trees that are kind of clinging to life and there's an old dilapidated building behind this but you have found the place here you are as you approach eventually you will see some small figures kind of lurking out of the building and starting to kind of scuttle your way All right. they are goblins at first you're like, oh shit, here come some goblins. Oh no, they're not attacking us. They're coming up to take our luggage. 
Because, yeah, because goblins do menial labor and things like that. But even for goblins, they look kind of unpleasant. They they look very underfed and, uh, you know, kind of hollowed out eyes. They're really kind of pathetic looking, but they are wearing like what once were probably halfway decent looking like porter outfits. But they are threadbare and patched together in places. And then one of the goblins goes, uh, Travelers, who may I say is looking to enter? Uh, it is I, Dar Ironhammer and Retinue, and how dare you address us in such threads, and I'll cast Mending on his, on ah. his uh, threads, because it's disgusting, and it is beneath me. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. And then I'll look at the goblins at what he said. Like, like, like this has happened before. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, the goblin porter, as you kind of touch his clothes and they start to kind of mend themselves, he looks down, he looks terrified. He's just like, almost like, oh no. Like, this is bad, what's happening? But, he, you know, he's also, someone is using magic on him, so he's kind of afraid. And the other ones just, they kind of sling back and they go, we are just here. To announce you to to the master and and let you come in for the night. A thousand apologies, Lord Ironhammer. Please, please. Well, please, hurry up. It's damp out here. And another crack of thunder. You see a figure appear in the doorway of the inn. You see a uh, older <laughs> female in a tavern wench outfit. I'll uh, share a picture of this person with you now. It looks like a, a older barmaid. She is not, of course, carrying a pie and tankards with her, but she is basically dressed like you see. It's, you know, it's a low-cut tavern wench outfit. She has a checkered skirt and a decent-sized knife at one side. Very plain to see. Her face is kind of um, over-made up, and she gives you a smile. She has gray hair that's tied up and a long braid that goes down the back. Girl, please, please, do not insult this gentleman with your unpleasant ways. Welcome, welcome. Please come in. Oh, good. Well, thank you. I am Helga Ruger. I welcome you our to Booms End Inn. Lovely it place is, to have her. Thank you. Our family has kept it here for a hundred years. From our father, Heinrich, and it's been left to us, myself and my brother, Rolf and our niece and nephew, but you will meet them all soon. It is very late and very wet. Of course, Rolf will speak with you on the morrow, uh, but in the meantime, please uh, let me get you some rooms and some food and drink for your travels. Thank you, Lord Ironhammer would appreciate some victuals and uh, to warm himself by the fire while our rooms are being prepared. Yes, and then I yes. Will look back all cringy at Audrin to make sure I said it correctly. And I'll just kind of raise an eyebrow and then go sit down by the fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. You do that. The goblins are now taking charge of your things. Anybody that uh, touches my things gets their outfit mended. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Helga will kind of give an eyebrow to that. She has a little kind of chuckle under her breath. I'm also <clears throat> clutching my stuff. I'm not letting anybody touch it. Okay. All you really have to do is just kind of move at the goblins and they'll just kind of stand back. They seem like they were cowed even if you did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just cowed in general. They definitely get the feeling that these these little bastards live in fear uh, every second of the day. <laughs> but as you occasionally will mend their outfits, Helga will eventually say, it's like, oh, please, sir, I appreciate your help. But, uh, it is uh, no, frankly, it's it is not a matter of help. It's a matter of dignity for my possessions. Uh, of course, of course. I understand. But Dios, it is a waste of your magic. Clothes will be threadbare and disgusting within five minutes, these horrible wretched creatures. We well, don't get any decent help. Here. not while they're handling my possession. Yes. You know what? I will take care of your possessions personally. And Helga will snap and shout in Goblin. Uh, and if any of you speak a goblin, she is basically just calling them like, uh, you know, scab and lazy eye and whatever, you know, particular unfortunate facial malady or deformity they have, they will be referred to by that, you know, hunchback or, you know, clubfoot or whatever. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. But she does this all like with a smile every time she looks at you. 
Right. Uh, and by the way, I don't leave any of my valuable possessions for them to be able to handle. It's just like, oh, my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You have uh, horses we need to see, too. I, I can get my niece Gertrude. She is the groom. No, we we felt it uh, wouldn't be good for the horses to go into this dreadful area. I, I'd hate to have to kill another one just because it broke a leg. Understandable. <laughs> well, uh, it's good then. Gertrude is a... Uh, she has quite a way with uh, horses and, and animals in general, but uh, if there was any injuries on any horse or mount, she, she would perhaps take it badly. She is... An innocent creature, but uh, she does love the beast, so. Perhaps a bit too much. Yes, well, please, please. And she will show you to some rooms. Um, obviously, Lord Ironhammer, she will give you a, a very nice, uh, well-appointed room of your own. And there are, uh, really, there's no one else here. So she can give yeah. you all a room. She will regard Morple with a curiosity. Probably don't get a lot of Michaelogs down this way, but who knows? They go all over the place when they can. But I'm pleased to meet you. She goes to Nolan, and and you would be? Ah, my name is Flink. I have the honor of being employed uh, by Lord Ironhand. Um, ah, you see, and you're... And this is Morple. He is here for his scholarly knowledge of certain lands in service to Lord Ironhand. Morple's trying to look like a badass. He mm. kind of makes this face like, mm, you know, he just like, he's trying. Like, he's... <laughs> and this is Keith uh, and Zena. <laughs> uh, Keith and Zena, very knowledgeable of overland travel and have been invaluable in getting us your lovely inn. I would like you to make me a deception roll, please. <sighs> Live to make deception rolls, let me tell you, man. Uh, 20. Okay, well, please... You are welcome to our home, and we will see to your affairs in the morning. I will let my brother Rolf know you are here, and we will take care of business as easily as possible. Yes, uh, we look forward to speaking with your family. Thank you so much for your hospitality. And when she says business, she gives a kind of like a, no business, like we should just have a good time. And as you guys are kind of resting and relaxing, she will pull out a viol, just a kind of primitive violin, and she asks if you would like some music while you retire. Does she seem like she wants to play the music? Give me an insight check. All right, sure. I will make that insight rolls too, as I'm... Yeah, yeah, anyone can make insight rolls. That's fine, yeah. I got a mighty 13, which, again, for insight, pretty good for me. Okay. Anybody else? I actually got 21 insight. Okay. On a roll that I'm sure is probably the most crucial roll we've made all night. Oh yeah, this is this is it. I got a ten. I, I really want to listen to that the music. Okay, Zika, you get the sense this is kind of like a buttering up. She would be happy to play music, but you're pretty sure that there's something else to that as well. But it's like it's not just the music; it's some other kind of performative thing that that she will take advantage of that to do. But she wouldn't be upset if people said they just wanted to go to bed. I'll say something you know, along the lines of, uh, I, I just as soon hit the hay. It's been a long day and a lot of storms. And she looks uh, to Lord Ironhammer because, <laughs> you know, <sighs> Lord Ironhammer. Right, right. Yes, perhaps that is for the best. Uh, I'm sure you can entertain well. us tomorrow. I would love to. The songs of our homeland from days gone by. I will favor you with a happy tune in the morning. The night is for mournful songs, uh, to lull you into a contemplative slumber. But uh, I will let you go. We'll see to business in the morning. Sure. And she uh, she leaves. Well, she seems nice. <laughs> we did really well. Well, uh, Lord Ironheart, we'll have to meet everybody and Im impress them with our uh, things. Again, uh, uh, everybody, remember what your thing is. And I'll pitch low just in case, you know, the walls have ears or anything. So, like, remember who you are and what you're here for. And, uh, yeah, it should be fine. I don't think it'll be a problem what could yeah. go wrong if we're swapping mm -hmm. hushed words before bed uh, i will say that it does seem like there might be something to her wanting to play music like she might want something out of it i don't know mm. what ah. it seemed somewhat out of place and i'll just gesture to everything we've seen in the last well perhaps it is some sort of magic who knows I was thinking that too. 
Yeah, I mean, there is always the distinct possibility she might have some kind of bardic ability or something like that. It's not unheard of. You probably clock her in like, it's hard. It's it, she could be anywhere from like early sixties to like mid seventies and really in good health, but she's wearing a lot of makeup. Like you're not even sure you really got a real skin tone off of her because you know she's just powdered with all kinds of crap. Definitely, um, you know, seems to have her best face on whenever she's facing someone. Uh, her job, like she's human though. I mean, as far as you can tell, I mean, she certainly appears human. If you wanted to employ some kind of magical uh, thing uh, as she is there to check her out, um, I don't know what you're packing spell-wise, but, you know, I wanted to give anything for that. So, okay. Just curious. Okay. So you all have your own room and turn in for that. Well, you tell me. Are you all uh, just going to go right to bed? I don't have any snooping around to do, but... If, if okay. people want to, I'm in a, no, we're going to play it straight with these people, I think. But if anybody's got a, an inkling, that's not to stop them. Like if somebody's like, oh no, this is bad news. So we got to look around and go for it. But I, yeah, I'm going to go get some bed. Yeah. I'm, get some sleep. I'm, just, I'm just going to look around my own room because, mm-hmm. well, just the, the atmosphere has been lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah, I mean. Uh, inside, I didn't really to describe the place inside as you walk in. It is an old building. It has seen better days for sure. At one time, this was a very stately inn. It's definitely fallen into a little bit of disrepair. Uh, it's kept very clean, but like, you know, the fixtures are older. The furniture is old uh, and, uh, you know, the upholstery it could certainly use some help. But the atmosphere outside is just dark and creepy um, in the dark, creepiest way. And you're not even like you're on the outskirts of this horrible place so you can definitely feel like the terrain is changing you know the flora and fauna are changing it makes you feel uneasy but you want to search around your room you can give me an investigation or yeah oh okay 17. yeah you give a, a good look through the place you do notice that's almost feels like they're strategically placed creaky spots in the floor yeah. <laughs> like you know, if you get close to the door, there's a creaky spot. If you go over to the window, there's a creaky spot. These old wood doors have seen better days, but there is a suspicious kind of knot hole in the door that are just kind of below like medium sized person eye level <laughs> that you probably wouldn't be able to see in, but you could probably hear pretty easily okay. if someone was standing on the other side of that door. You're fairly certain that if you were on the other side of the door, the floor creak would not be there. Right. But, you know, other than that, I mean, it's, you know, it's a kind of creepy old room from a horror movie. But, you know. Decorated in mid-century creepy. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're definitely from an old country somewhere else, you know, probably in a faraway land that we haven't invented where they're kind of Germany. (laughs) But they're not Duragar, so. To keep up appearances, I am going to mend the hell out of uh, this place and make my room look nice. Because okay. I care about these things. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll spend like 15 and, uh, minutes doing that or whatever. Okay. Give me a perception roll. All right. 19. Okay. Yeah, as you're you're going around, you know, fixing the mattress, fixing a blanket, fixing a table that's wobbly, you know. <laughs> Some curtains look much nicer now. And then, you know, as you're getting around to there's a like a little closet and as you uh open the closet to see you know what's in there you hear it's a telltale sound of creaking floor very very subtly outside of the door of your room either there's somebody there or somebody might have walked by or all right when i was walking around the room did i experience the creaky floors uh much as yes uh, same thing i will mend those two okay And at the point where you mend one of the floors is where you probably hear that creak as you're coming around to the front of the room. <laughs> right. And then silence. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just kind of stop and listen okay. myself. All right. Uh, yeah, you stand there and listen for a couple minutes and you don't hear anything else. It's like if there was someone right. out there, they're gone. All right. Uh, and it doesn't appear that they came back. Right. Um, it's possible that when you mended part of the floor, it might have actually warped another part of the floor. Could be. <laughs> you know, that's definitely a possibility with that kind of spell, I feel like. 
Yeah, I could see that. Because it works in little spots at a time, and it'd be like, oh, and they were like, oh, shit. What? What's going on? And, uh, yeah. Anybody else doing anything or just heading to bed? No, I got nothing much I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'll walk around and creak all the floors so they know I'm here. And then okay. uh, I will find some piece of furniture in there to move in front of the door. Um, okay. Not so much so that it will stop someone from getting in. Like, I don't want to wedge it and, like, they have to break it down. It's just it will provide some resistance so that I will wake up. Is basically uh, what I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to like break in because you know my my friends are gonna have to break in here and save me. So I don't want to <laughs> make it more difficult for them. But if someone just comes in to kill me at night, you know, or to just feast on my delicious neck blood, I don't. <laughs> I just want them. You know, I want to know. Okay. Okay. All right. So after kind of examining your rooms and doing all that, you get to sleep, and you know, there's still the occasional clap of thunder. So uh, probably a little bit of an uneasy sleep for some of you because your hackles are probably up uh with this freaky place but at some point in the middle of the night razor you're woken by a feeling a really like just something to snap awake and then um give me a perception roll yeah (laughs) i'm on fire for perceptions 24 oh okay you wake up and you just kind of come up with a start you've first feel it and then you see it a warm liquidy feeling on your left hand well whatever hand that is on the outside of the bed as you sleep sure and then you look down and you see blood on your hand for a moment uh, like a little weird kind of puddle of congealed blood that moves from your hand down the side of the bed and As it moves across you, it does not leave a trail behind it. All right. It's very strange. It definitely looks like blood. And as it's going down the side of the bed, it'll quickly work its way into the floor and start to kind of pull through a slat in the floor. It happens pretty quickly. And for the moment, you're noticing it, but you're kind of held by it for a second. Mm -hmm. Just like, because this is weird. And then as the blood starts to disappear through the floor, you hear this whisper that is all around you. Sleep with one eye open. You cannot trust them. And then we'll end it there for tonight. Excellent. Okay, so we're not going to do the cutaway where Zeke and I are going to be talking about killing Audrin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll, we'll leave all that right. for next time. All right. I've been waiting to have a uh, kind of horror uh, part of this and the booms end in just seemed like the perfect place. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, you'll get to meet the rest of the Ruger family. Oh God. I, I have hero forge portraits of all of these people. <laughs> I literally had to do that to make them. That's kind of how I do things. Now <laughs> I start from what it looks like. There, there's an, um, if you don't want to use hero forge now, hero forge is great for it. But yeah. if you want to take a little less time, I think there's some apps out there that will produce them for like D&D. And, um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. And there's, yeah. of course, all the AI art and stuff like that, too. It, uh, oh, there's that. Yeah. It freaks me out. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. But uh, I will say I played with one AI art <laughs> thing, and I'll leave you with this. I said, okay, what do I get if I put in Louis Anderson with unicorn horn and wings? I wish I'd saved it. You know, anyway. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. Well, well on that weird ass note, yeah, uh, leave we'll us your that haunting image bouncing around our heads. So we're conjuring things. Yeah, yeah talk about horror stories. Anything we'll see that you could have done. <laughs> we'll see y'all in two weeks. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our apprentice architect Patreons. Jillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell, and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.